It is a new year. It is a new decade. And um, it's interesting to me that often after, after we've rested, we still didn't feel rested, right? After our, I actually spoke to my brother-in-law yesterday, and they just went camping, and he said, I need to rest after that trip. And it is so crazy. It is, it's even in the language we use, we see busyness, we see exhaustion all around us. Think about this for a moment. What are the, mo- the most common two responses you get when you ask someone, how are you? The first one is the normal one you don't even think about. We just say it, and you're like, I'm good. Like, no one asks you anything else. No one has to, like, it's just kind of like, I'm good, and you just continue. The second one that I probably use the most and that I hear the most is, I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm keeping busy. You know, yeah, it's been a rough time. I'm, I'm busy. It's so part of our lives, busyness and exhaustion, that we don't even realize it's creeped into everything. There's a guy named Stephen Covey. He wrote two books that you might have heard of. One is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Leaders, and another one, First Things First. So he's a dude that writes about corporate leadership. He writes about time management. And he wrote this, and this was already a couple of years ago, but this is so significant to me. He looks at the world, he looks at people, and then he says these words. He says, people expect us to be busy and overworked. Like, that's expectation. That's the culture. He says, it has become a status symbol in our society. It's like you have to be busy, and you try to explain when someone asks you, can you see me? You're you're not just like, no, you know, I can't now. You're like, no, I can't because I'm doing this, this, and this, and then I'm doing that, that, and that. It's like we feel we have to prove to people that we're busy because when I'm busy, I feel like I'm worth something. I feel like I bring something to the table of the world. And when I'm not busy, I'm almost too afraid to say it. Like, what do you do? No, I've been hanging out at home. I'm a stay-at-home mom. Yolanda's a stay-at-home mom, and by the way, that's, that's quite a job. But it's, it's interesting to me that how often people look kind of down on her because we decided to, to change some things in our life so that she can raise our children. People kind of look down on that because you're not busy enough. Put your child in a school. Like, you don't have to do that. And it's interesting to me that it it, it is a status symbol, but the consequences of busyness is exhaustion and burnout. And I said it last week as well, one of the most common things I hear about when I listen to leadership podcasts is exhaustion and burnout. And the podcast can be about something completely different, but exhaustion and burnout always pops up because people are busy and people are overworked and we think it's the way life should be. There's an old saying in English, it goes like this, too, too much, what? All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. And I look around at the world, I look at my own life, and I can literally see that playing out, how people have become duller and duller. And, and dull might be a general term, but it basically means this, we become more cynical. We become more negative. We look at the situation of the country. We look at our life. We look at our finances. We look at, at our families. And we're cynical. We're negative about everything. We feel trapped. That's something you often hear people say, whether they want out of a marriage, whether they want out of a community. People say, I feel trapped. People feel defeated. Like I've put in everything and I don't see any results. I spoke to someone this week that came out of church ministry. They just stepped out of church ministry and, and we were talking about our house that we did some renovations in and he said, you know what's nice about doing something in your house? You can actually see a return for what you put in. And it's like in, in, in church, I just feel like 
you, you, you never see any results. I'm like, what? Your church was growing. It was going great. He's got so much to, to be thankful for, but he can't even see it anymore because we're too cynical. We feel defeated. We feel trapped. And this is a sad part to me. I think a lot of people feel like deep inside of us, something has died. I wish I could be the way I was when I was younger. I wish I could go back to that. It shouldn't be that way. I don't believe that's the life that God envisions for us. And that's why we started this series, Rest, but not just rest, because you can confuse rest as sleeping. You can confuse rest as watching Netflix for two days, binge watching. We're resting and we're finding refreshment God's way, in a different way. And today we see all these apps to help you sleep, and it plays white noise, and it tells you stories, and all kinds of apps that people download to help them meditate that are insanely expensive, and all kinds of things that people grab onto because they cannot find rest, and we all are looking for rest somewhere or another. We are tired of going on our summer holidays and coming back, and we're just as tired as when we left for holiday a couple of weeks ago. So last week we talked about the principle of the Sabbath. God said, I worked six days and I rested one day. This is such an important rule to God to take one day out of seven off that God modeled it himself, that God created a commandment, a law out of that. And can you believe that the penalty for not obeying a rest day was death? You go and read in the Old Testament, they found a guy picking up sticks on the Sabbath, they brought him to Moses, and it's like, God says he should be killed. And he's like, what? That's crazy. But that is how important it was to God, because God knew something we don't, and that is that in a society where people work seven days a week, where they don't rest, it is just as devastating on that society as, as a society where it's, it's no issue to murder and kill and rape and do whatever you want. And we don't see it because it's like slow suicide when we don't rest. But to God, it's such an important principle. If you missed last week, then go and watch it on Facebook. It should be up on YouTube this week as well. But it's a principle, and God says, I want you to work six days, give your best, but rest one day. But now here's the trick. How do I rest, and what's the benefit of rest? That's the thing we're going to talk about for next two weeks. Why should I rest God's way? I think I'm fine. I'm doing okay. Whatever. You know, what's the difference between this and all the self-help books I've read? And that is our topic today. We'll be talking about why we should rest, the benefits of rest. And remember, we're talking about rest. That's refreshment God's way, not just sleeping or whatever. So what is the benefit of that? Because I, I think, one, we need to understand the importance of this principle that we spoke about last week. But secondly, if we can't see a benefit to this, we're never going to bring ourselves to a place where we're actually resting. So we have to see a benefit of, take, of resting one day out of six. And what I want to read you today is the invitation to rest that Jesus made himself, and then he describes the benefits of it as well. And you've probably, if you grew up in church, you've probably heard this numerous times. You probably know it. If you haven't grown up in church, the translation I'm going to read from is so amazing, whether you grew up in church or not, whether you know this or not, it's really cool. We're going to be reading from Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, and I'll be reading from the Passion Translation today to just give you a bit of a different spin on a text that you know so well. So Matthew 11, verse 28 to 13, the Passion Translation, this is Jesus himself speaking. He says, are you weary and carrying a heavy burden? Are you tired? Are you exhausted? Are you burned out? Are you stressed? Then come to me, for I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. 
Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, and easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. That is a text that we know so well in the normal translations. Matthew 11 verse 28 says, um, where Jesus says, you've got a heavy burden. And, and we, this, it's kind of like this exchange happening where Jesus says, come and exchange it for something light. But this is such a beautiful translation. But what is sad to me is when I rest, where Jesus says, are you, are, you, are you weary? Are you burdened? Are you burned out? Are you tired? Are you exhausted? He says, come to me and you will find rest and refreshment. But I feel like often it's the opposite. I'm like, God, I am tired. I am burned out. I am exhausted. I come to church. I try stuff. I walk away and I feel like more weight has been put on me. I feel more tired. I feel more burned out. And I do not see what Jesus has promised. It's not the way it's supposed to be. See, we've got this burden on our shoulders of long hours at work. The old days you would rise at the sunrise and you would go to bed with sunset and, and you work. But today it's like not only do we work 16 hours or whatever, uh, 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 we, you can work up to 16 hours a day or whatever. Some people work crazy hours. But it's not just that we work at an office many hours is that we take our work with us through our laptops and our cell phones. And it's not just that we work a lot, but there's so many things in life pulling us in different directions. Everything wants a bit of our attention. Everything is pulling us in a different direction. And then guys, cell phones, and, and I, I like my cell phone. I'm not a hater. But this is sometimes so horrible because when you, you take your work with you, now your email is not on your computer. It's on your phone. It's in your pocket. You watch social media, and social media normally have one of two responses. Either it's negative stuff, and you feel, oh, world sucks after you've read it, or it is someone's idyllic picture of their perfect life that's, by the way, not perfect, so you compare yourself to them, and then you feel worse about yourself because their life seems so good, right? That's normally the two responses we get from social media. And what's sad to me is where God used to be our focal point, especially on the Sabbath, on a race day, what is our focal point today? Every time we're quiet, every time we're bored, our cell phone becomes our focal point. You stand in queue at, at, the, at the mall, you're waiting for someone to finish paying before you, you can't help but reach into your pocket. You don't think about it, it's, it's just intuition. You take it out, you start scrolling. You sit at a traffic light and it takes a little too long to go from red to green, so you take out your cell phone. You're in the elevator, there's five strange people. Instead of greeting them, you take out your cell phone. It has become our standard focal point in life every time there's a moment of quiet, every time there's a moment of boredom or of rest. And what's sad to me is that this burden that Jesus is talking about, where it says, like, I know you're burdened. Exchange it for something better. It's like we cannot get rid of it. And guys, what I love about this series, and I told you about this last week, is I myself, I'm a bit of a workaholic and an overworker, so I struggle, so I'm preaching this for myself, okay? So I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching for myself with you. So I'm trying to discover this as well, but it's, it's really hard to get rid of this burden of busyness. And you know why I think we struggle so much with it? Not just is it a norm in society, but I think more than just a habit Busyness became an addiction. We cannot let it go. We feel we need busyness. We need to fill every moment of our time to be okay. 
And what is crazy is the world still looks negatively at other kinds of addictions, at alcohol and at, at drugs and whatever, but the world actually encourages busyness. But Jesus made an invitation in Matthew 11. He said, come and find rest in me. And then this whole thing in, in Matthew 12, you can go and read straight to us what it means to find rest and, um, and restoration in him. So we're still waiting for the screen, so you might not be able to read all of this, but I'm going to read so long. Matthew 12, if you've got a Bible with you, I'm reading now from the New International Version, Matthew 12, verse 9 to verse 13. Going on from that place, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand, so a man with a, with a hand that was all curled up, was there, and looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, the Pharisees asked him, is it lawful to heal on a Sabbath? You see, because they thought if Jesus is going to say yes, they're going to say no, no, to, to heal someone on a Sabbath is work, so you cannot heal, and then they would have killed Jesus, because what's the penalty for not obeying the Sabbath? According to the Jews, it was death. So Jesus then said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? So won't you do some form of work? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Let's read that word together. How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored just as sound as the other. When I read the story, Jesus just said, come and find rest. People try to steal the rest, the religious leaders. And I see this whole story where, where one group finds rest in Jesus, another group doesn't find rest. And what we see in this story is this clash between legalism and God. That you know if you are a Jew, you are not allowed to do to prepare your food at the same spot. You have to have two separate dishwasher, separate sink, because meat, in the Old Testament there was this law that said that a little goat was not supposed to be boiled in its mother's milk. So now milk and meat is completely separated. So out of one simple law, it became this whole thing where the kitchen has to be separated. It became this legalistic thing. And that is what the Pharisees were about. They wanted people to find rest through obeying certain rules. I don't know about you, but part of the reason why I'm listening so much to burnout and read books about rest is because sometimes I wish someone would just tell me how to rest because I struggle with it so much. I'm so bad at resting. And I think the people back then were as well like, how do we do the Sabbath? Can someone just please tell us how do we find rest? And Jesus literally tells them, but there's this opposite where the Pharisee says, okay, this is what legalism is about. Legalism is a, values the system. It is about laws. It's about rules. And through doing the right things at the right times and having this pattern and putting extra burden on you, you will find rest. Legalism values the system. But God values something else. What did God value? What did Jesus say? God values people. God's value is love. Because like you won't find rest through obeying a bunch of laws. That's why we don't do Sabbath on Friday afternoon till Saturday afternoon. We celebrate on a Sunday because it's Resurrection Day. It's the day Jesus came back to life. It's the day that, that our lives changed forever. 
But it is not about the rules. It is about God's love. In Mark 2 verse 7, Jesus said it this way. He said the Sabbath wasn't made for man. But No, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man. So this is a different way to say it. The Sabbath, God created one extra day in the week for your benefit and my benefit. God could have stopped after the sixth day. And it could have been like that. That's your process. Six days you will work and you will just never stop. But God created a day for our benefit, a day to rest, a day to find refreshment, a day to live in the oasis. In, in that translation says it's so beautiful where Jesus says, I am your oasis. You see, at the end of the day, the Sabbath is not about rules to be kept, but it's about an invitation to accept. And Jesus makes this invitation to us to find rest in him, and he makes this beautiful invitation where he says, it is not for my benefit. We don't keep the Sabbath to benefit God. We keep the Sabbath to benefit ourselves. It's like, you need it. So I want to do two benefits with you today that will hopefully convince you to take a day of rest. And by the way, if you're like, Louis, you still haven't told us how to rest. Next week, we're going to do a wholesome just about how to rest. I still have a lot of research this week to figure it out, but we'll get there. But what's the benefit of it? And I think the benefit kind of lies on two areas. One on God's side, on the supernatural side, and one on our human side. But the first benefit to accept this invitation that Jesus makes to find rest in him, the first benefit that I literally see playing out in in my mind's eye when I read that story of the man that's hand was healed, is God, when we rest, we find that God provides for us supernaturally. You see, that man didn't try to do anything with his hand himself. On that Sabbath, he was resting. He was just in the presence of Jesus, and his shriveled hand is restored. It's not in his own power. It's not in his own ability. He couldn't make it happen no matter how busy he was, no matter how much time he spent on it. It took a miracle from God to heal his hand. And at the end of the day, that is what the Sabbath is about. In, in the Old Testament, when the Israelites were rescued from Egypt, they're in the desert and there's no food. And God is like, you know what I will do? I will do, you will do your part, but I will do something that you cannot. And I will provide manna from heaven, some kind of food that we do not know what it is. And you will walk out of your tent in the morning and it will just be everywhere and you can pick it up and you can eat it. But God said, don't take too much because it's going to go rotten. But guess what happened on the Sabbath? So by the way, some people did take extra because they were afraid like, but what if we wake up tomorrow and God doesn't supernaturally take care of us? So they kept a little extra and the morning they got up and it was full of maggots and stuff. But on the Sabbath, guess what God said? I want you to rest. I don't want you to to worry about gathering food. So guess what? The the day before Sabbath, you're gonna take a double portion. But but God, it, it, it goes rotten the next day. It goes like not on the Sabbath because I will provide supernaturally for you. So on the Sabbath, they open it, they expect some maggots in it, and guess what? It's perfectly fine and they eat another day. I said last week that it takes faith to find rest. You see, at the end of the day, when we talk about rest, it is not about sleeping, but it is about receiving God's supernatural provision. It is about having faith. You can sleep till you're blue, but as long as you believe that it takes everything you have to make life happen, that if you stop, your family will fall apart, that if you stop, your, your business will fall apart, as long as you believe that, you can sleep till you're blue, you will never find rest. 
Taking a day of rest means that in faith, I trust that God will supernaturally provide for me, not only on the Sabbath day, but on the six days that's still ahead of me. Did you know that the Sabbath, this is so beautiful to me, the Sabbath, I said, started when? Sunset the Friday evening. Why didn't it start sun up when the sun is rising? Why did it start with the sun setting? Because this is what a Sabbath would have looked like. Before the Sabbath started, the Jews would have cooked a meal. When the Sabbath starts, they would eat, so their bodies are nourished. And then they would do what? Sleep. Did you know that in Genesis, if you go and read Genesis 1, it was night and it was day. It starts, the day starts not with, with sunset, with sunrise, it starts with sunset. Because guess what happens when we sleep? When you sleep, you're lying in bed, you do not provide for yourself, you do not work, you're not busy. By the way, if you are busy when you're sleeping, it means you're not sleeping. That's when you're counting sheep. But when we're sleeping, you're completely vulnerable. Someone can walk up to your bed and kill you in your sleep. So you have to trust that God will protect you. You will have to trust that God will provide for you. You will have to trust that the systems that God put in place in your body will keep you alive during that evening. But what is so beautiful about sleep is that we are completely relaxed and we trust and we have the confidence in God's goodness and His faithfulness. So God started the Sabbath with nourishment and with sleep because through sleeping, we model the posture that we should have during the Sabbath day. We model, we, we teach ourselves to trust God. We teach ourselves to rest. We teach ourselves to not think that everything in the world relies on my busyness. So God starts the day with rest, with sleep. So it's like, learn how to trust. Learn how to trust that I will provide in you. Just find peace in me. And tomorrow when you wake up, you keep that posture. You keep trusting me through your day. You keep going with that. You see, but sadly, pride and independence stops us. Pride says, if you want it done right, you do it yourself. If I'm not available, my business is not going to make it. If I don't preach, the church is going to close down. If I'm not on, on social media, people have, will have nothing good to read. Our pride stops us from finding rest in God, from trusting Him completely, because we believe that we make the world go round. And God wants us to stop that. He wants us to observe the Sabbath because uh, here's the amazing thing about the Sabbath. You know with tithing, with giving the first 10% of our money, what we do is with that act, we put God first when it comes to our budget, to our money, to our spending. But with the Sabbath, we put God first when it comes to our time. This is one thing to say you gotta put God first. But by obeying the Sabbath, you are literally positioning God as the first thing your first focal point, in, instead of your cell phone, you're positioning God as the first thing to focus on at the beginning of your, work, of your week. Don't expect the supernatural to happen if you work seven days a week. Don't expect God to do a miracle in your life. Don't expect God to heal the shriveled hand. Don't expect God to stretch your finances. Don't expect God to give you rest and refreshment that Jesus spoke about for the following six or seven days if you cannot stop one day to find it in Him. 
If you keep journeying through the desert and you never stop to refill at the water, you will be thirsty and you will die. But if you stop on the sixth day at the oasis that Jesus says is, and you fill up your water tanks, then you've got the ability to carry through for the next six days of the week. What is interesting to me, and I wanted to share this with you, because I think sometimes we're like, yeah, Louis, that's good, but how does God really provide for us supernaturally? It's, it's a good idea, but does it really happen? You can go and Google a couple of stories from, from the Second World War. I, I want to share one specific one that's not Second World War that's actually happening still today. But Second World War, guys like Willis Jeeps, there was a, there was a company in the U.S. that had to build a bunch of speedboats um, for the U.S. to cross the Rhine River um, so that they could continue after D-Day to, to push the, the German army back. And the companies back then were producing like one or two boats a week. And they had to produce, I cannot remember, something like 300 in two weeks. So most companies that the U.S. Army contracted decided to work 24 hours, seven days a week. And what is interesting is not only did they never meet their quotas, but at the end of the day when the boats got to, to the river, they couldn't fit the right motors on them and they couldn't use them. One company, one of the biggest boating companies today in the U.S., I can't remember the name, I didn't write it down, they decided to, till to still take the rest day, the seventh day, to rest as God commanded, and they went from one or two boats a week to producing 300 before the time because the other companies couldn't give a keep up. The U.S. Army gave them another 100. They completed that also ahead of schedule, and all of the boats had to do double work because the other companies' boats couldn't do it, and they took the army over the river. But today, if you want to come close to home today, especially if you're running a business, especially if you're, if, you're, if you're a professional person or whatever, and you feel like, I cannot rest one day because it depends on me, it relies on me. If I take rest, it will fall apart. There's a company in the U.S. If you ask me one takeaway place that I actually want in South Africa, it's Chick-fil-A. I've been to U.S. a couple of times, and if there's a Chick-fil-A, we always buy Chick-fil-A. In 1964, if I remember correctly, the owner, when he opened Chick-fil-A, after working in restaurants his whole life, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, he decided they are going to close down on Sundays. I remember we were in New York when the first Chick-fil-A a couple of years ago opened in New York. Everyone said it will not work because New York doesn't do the whole consumer thing. They do little, small, independent, organic kind of things. The queue outside of that first Chick-fil-A in New York City, because this kind of came from the south of America, and now it's in New York, the big city, the queue was standing for blocks. And what is interesting today, if you go to Chick-fil-A, the day that every, most people eat out is a Sunday. But Chick-fil-A, the original owner said, I'm not gonna open on a Sunday, we're gonna be closed on a Sunday, and you can stop at any, every Chick-fil-A you can find, and it will not be open on a Sunday, not in New York, not in Vegas, not at an airport. And what is interesting is, I read some of these stats, they've got something like 2,100 shops, they only work six days a week. KFC in the US has 4,000, I think 600, they go 24-7, seven days a week. Chick-fil-A has a bigger profit than KFC that has doubled the amount of stores and runs more days and hours than Chick-fil-A. And this was what the business insider said. It said that chick receives more revenue than any other fast food chain in the U.S. with double its size. 
I'm like, why? Because they said, God, we're going to find rest in you on a Sabbath for a rest day, Sabbath rest. God said, I will provide supernaturally not only for the Sabbath day, I will provide supernaturally for you for the other six days as well. And all over the world through history, there's stories like that of guys, of people, of businessmen who decided to honor God's principles and God honored them. When we rest, we give God the opportunity to provide for us supernaturally. When we don't rest, we close our doors for God's supernatural provision. But the second reason why I believe we should rest is more personal. So the first one has to do with God. I get, I get God's best part if I rest. But the second thing is I get my own best part when I rest. And I believe when we rest, we find new refreshment. And that is such a simple word, but it is something Jesus spoke about. Jesus says, you are burdened. Come and exchange this thing for something else that I've got to offer. Exchange your burden for refreshment. And I think this is so significant because what often happens is we are so busy, we're so tired. Did you know that creativity comes out of boredom? I read an article, I've got a little child. So I'm like, how much screen time? You know, should I give her the cell phone? And they actually now new research came out like a couple of months ago. They found that babies' brains develop slower when they are exposed to screen time before the age of 18 months. Do you know why? Because they're never bored. When you are bored, your mind starts to grow. You start to think creatively. You're like, my business is stuck. I don't know where to go. Have you been working seven days? Yes. So take a day off, find refreshment, and guess what will happen? You will have creativity to find a new direction. I'm always tired. Have you been working seven days? Yes. Take a day off and you will have the energy to work for the other six days of the week. Now they're trying to shorten work days to four days, but people will still be tired because although your work day in office might be four days, you're still going to be busy for seven because it's an addiction. In Psalm 92, it's a psalm about the Sabbath. You can go and read it. The psalmist writes about how God gives him new strength like an ox. And he writes all these beautiful things. But then there's one line in Psalm 92 verse 10 that blew me away that you might read over and not even notice, especially when you read that he's got the strength of an ox. But he talks about that God anoints him with fresh oil. Okay, cool, let's go on. Anointing with oil in the Bible was very significant. It, it is a metaphor for, the, for God's spirit resting on us. And throughout the Bible, you will read about God's spirit resting on people, not just doing supernatural, but bringing out the best that God has already placed inside of you. So, for example, in Exodus, the artists and the artisans, they had the gift to craft and to manufacture all these beautiful things for the tabernacle because God's spirit rested on them. This is literally, you want to be a better artist, you want to write better songs, you want to paint better things, you want, to, um, you want to be more creative, you find rest and God's spirit will be on you and all that creativity that's already inside of you because you're created in the image of a creative God, He created everything you see by just speaking, that creativity will come out. 
We go to a, a, a little further, and after the Israel, Israelites were led out of Egypt, we read about Joshua, that the Spirit of God was on him, and therefore he could lead the Israelites, therefore he could conquer all these nations. So you want your business to grow? You want to be a better manager? You want to be a better boss? You want to be a better leader? You want to see your things grow? Then take your rest day, be filled with God's Spirit again, Find rest, find the refreshment that Jesus promised, and you will be a better leader than the guy who goes seven days a week, and you will, you will lead better, you will grow better, you will conquer your obstacles better. Samson, he had the strength of many men because God's spirit rested on him. You're feeling tired and burnt out like you can't give another step, like you can't focus at work. Take a rest day. Let God, this is, not, this is almost not supernatural. It's everything that's already inside of us. But when we rest, it's like God just brings it out. He's, he gives us the freedom to live out who we are. David, he was an amazing ruler because God's spirit was on him. He was anointed as a young man. God's spirit came on him. He lived through a crazy king. He took over and he did amazing things for the nation of Israel because God's spirit was on him. So, so this is what refreshment is about. It is like anointing with new oil where God's spirit comes over us and brings out not only God's supernatural provision, but where he brings out all the beautiful stuff that he's already placed inside of you. Jesus said in the Passion Translation, all that I require of you is pleasant and easy to bear. It's already inside of you. A fresh anointing from God's Spirit will equip us to accomplish more in six days with Him than 16 or 200 days on our own, in our own ability. So I want to close with this. Abraham Lincoln, old American president, he said this. He said, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. I actually wanted to bring, I've got a little axe at a home, and I wanted to bring it along because it's very blunt. I don't have a sharpener to sharpen it. So every now and then I have to chop off a, a tree root in my garden or something, and I sweat because it's like hitting the root with, with a hammer. He's like, if I want to chop it off, you can go for six hours, but you can forward to shop and in the other two I'm just gonna my axe is gonna go like like a knife through butter and it's just gonna go through the tree that's what the Sabbath rest is that is what finding rest in God is like it is like that knife through butter it is like God brings out an axe is supposed to be sharp God brings out he sharpens us and he prepares us for what we need to do in John 15 verse 5 this is what Jesus said he said I'm the vine you are the branches then he says these beautiful words, remain in me and then you will produce much fruit. Remain in me, you will be creative. Remain in me, your family will go great. Remain in me, you will manage your finance as well. Remain in me, you will be full of energy. Remain in me, you will produce much fruit. And then he says, because apart from me, you can do nothing. No, 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 no Jesus, I can run my business. I can walk. I can chop down a tree. It's like, no, you can't, you can't do nothing. You're going to break yourself against God's law. So let's decide to honor God's principle of rest because it's more beneficial to us than we can ever imagine. We open the doors for God to provide for us supernaturally 
not just on the day, but during the week. And we open the doors for God to refresh us, to restore our brokenness, our shriveledness, and bring out the best in us that He's already placed inside of us. So I hope that today you say, like, I'm going to be serious about finding rest this year. Because I believe the benefit outweighs what I think is a negative side to it. And then next week, what we're going to do is we're going to get really practical. We're going to say, how do I rest? How, what containers do I need to fill up at the oasis of Jesus? The next week, very practical. How do we fill up? But I hope for now, you're so convinced that you're going to say, I'm taking my day of rest every week. I'm putting down my cell phone. I'm, putting, I'm switching off my computer. I'm moving my focal point from my business to God, to my family. A day to be enjoyed, a day to open up my life for what God wants to do in it. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that today we can be here. We can start this day out by putting our focus on you. Lord, I'm so tired of being tired and exhausted. And I know that true rest is only to be found in you. Because your burden is light. And I pray this morning, Lord, that, that we will experience the benefits of Sabbath rest in our life to such an extent that we will not want to disobey your command because it's good for us, it's beneficial for us. Pray in Jesus' name, amen.